I'm John Hoop, and you're listening to Homeless History. One of the most difficult and sometimes divisive challenges facing the United States currently is immigration policy, most notably how to combat illegal immigration humanely. The debate has divided our nation as well as our legislators, and the split is almost entirely along party lines. The Republican Party is against amnesty for illegal immigrants, especially when attempted via executive order, as President Obama's DACA and DAPA orders were, in a quite comical attempt to usurp power not granted to the president. As you would expect, considering the executive order was issued by Obama, a Democrat, the Democratic Party supports amnesty for illegal immigrants. Earlier this year, Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi issued a statement via press release regarding DACA and DAPA, in which she said, Four years ago today, while Republicans' obstruction perpetuated a cruel and broken immigration system, President Obama used the authority conferred to him by Congress to take action. With DACA, we honored our values as a nation and stopped deporting the bright young dreamers who embody the best of America. Sadly, in vote after vote, House Republicans have tried to end DACA and deport the dreamers. They have embraced Donald Trump's hateful agenda of discrimination that calls for building walls and tearing apart families. This very week, Republicans are pushing an amendment that would ban these patriotic young immigrants from serving in our armed forces, young men and women who are willing to give their lives in the name of defending our country." End quote. These two paragraphs highlight the guilt trip and blame game narrative used by Democrats to attempt to sway public opinion. It also exposes one of the biggest policy flip-flops in the history of American politics. It is one that is often left out of the history books thanks to a series of events which divided, eliminated, and created entirely new political parties, leaving little linkage between our modern-day parties and their predecessors. However, a simple side-by-side -side comparison of the modern Democratic Party and the Federalist Party which dominated early American politics leaves little doubt that they are one and the same. Both parties favor a large central government which holds more power than the states. This is a quite obvious trait of today's Democratic Party which nominated and then stood behind the actions of a president who issued orders that circumnavigated Congress and usurped power. Both parties are strong supporters of the separation of church and state, a central bank, heavy government subsidies, and high tariffs. Also, labor workers and in industries like manufacturing represent a large portion of both parties' base, having, both having campaigned on being for the low-income working family, and support for both parties has historically been heavily concentrated in larger cities. All things considered, it's pretty clear that the Democratic Party is very much the modern Federalist Party. That is, except for one humongous policy flip-flop that is all but lost to history, immigration. As demonstrated by Congresswoman Pelosi's statement about DACA and DAPA, today's Democrats pandered to both the legal and illegal immigrant populations quite hard. At times, they completely disregarded the rule of law as well as national security in favor of securing the immigrant vote. On the other hand, the Federalist Party has a different approach one which led to them losing their grip on American politics and ultimately the demise of their party. Federalist-dominated 5th United States Congress passed four bills known collectively as the Alien and Sedition Acts, which were then signed into law by in 1978 by President John Adams, who was also a Federalist. The Naturalization Act made it more difficult for immigrants to become citizens, changing the re residency requirement from 5 to 14 years. The Alien Friends Act allowed the President to imprison and deport non-citizens who were deemed dangerous. Likewise, the Alien Enemies Act allowed the president to imprison and deport non-citizens who were from a hostile nation. Rounding out the bills was the Sedition Act, which made it a crime to make false statements that were critical of the federal government. While Federalists argued that the bills strengthened national security, the seemingly accurate perception at the time was that the underlying objective was actually to suppress and or silence voters who disagreed with the Federalist Party. 
The Sedition Act resulted in the prosecution and conviction of many Jeffersonian newspaper owners who disagreed with the Federalist-controlled government. Dissatisfaction with these four pieces of borderline tyrannical legislation ended up being a major factor in breaking the Federalist control of the United States government and ultimately helped propel anti-Federalist Thomas Jefferson to victory in his presidential bid, defeating incumbent Federalist John Adams. Under President Jefferson, the Sedition Act and Alien Friends Act were allowed to expire in 1800 and 1801, respectively. However, the Alien Enemies Act still remains in effect as 50 United States Code Section 21 through 24. Quite curiously, Democrat Franklin Delano Roosevelt is the president who used the laws which exist under the recodified Alien Enemies Act with an iron fist. Following the bombing of Pearl Harbor, FDR issued presidential proclamations 2525 through 2527, which ordered the apprehension, restraint, and removal of Japanese 2525, German 2526, and Italian 2527 non-citizens. In February of 1942, he issued Executive Order 9066, which went even further, resulting in the forcible relocation of over 110,000 people of Japanese ancestry from the Pacific Coast to camps in the interior of the country. 62% of those interned were United States citizens, not aliens. Harry Truman ascended to the Oval Office following President Roosevelt's death, and while his use of the powers prescribed by the Alien Enemies Act was not quite as ferocious as FDR's, he too cited the act in several presidential proclamations which ordered deportation of Japanese, German, and Italian non-citizens even after hostilities with these nations ceased. It wasn't until 1948 when the Supreme Court ruled 5-4 in favor of German immigrant Kurt G.W. Ludecky and Ludecky v. Watkins, and subsequently the Attorney General gave up plenary jurisdiction over the last detainees at Ellis Island, that this deplorable period in the history of American political leadership ended. The details of the Alien and Sedition Acts are often left out of early American history discussion, especially the part where one of the four acts is still on the books. I personally find it unacceptable that the history books have omitted the linkage between these acts and the fall of the Federalist Party, our nation's first majority party. I can only presume, based on the shared policy objectives of the Federalist and Democratic parties, and the alignment of the leadership of most academic institutions as well as most teachers unions with the extreme left of the Democratic Party might explain why this part of our political history is all but homeless. The truth about Ellis Island, on the other hand, is completely homeless history, lost to the manipulations of the political establishment. How would people feel about the Statue of Liberty if they knew that the island sitting in its shadow that is portrayed as the gateway to America for more than 12 million immigrants was used to imprison individuals based merely on their ancestral ties to a nation we were at war with? How little would the tablet in Lady Liberty's hand mean if we knew that the individuals detained at Ellis Island were still being held several years after hostilities between the United States and their respective governments ended. Valid questions, perhaps, but they most certainly do not justify obscuring these facts. Tune in next week for another episode of Homeless History.